From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Valentine's Day, February 14th, the year 2018. We welcome you inside this, the week of the Genesis Open. We uh, are going to talk some golf with Alex Lazan. Hello, Alex. Hello, Jeremy. It's, it's a Tiger Week. Yes. We're, and uh, more often these days. Yes. And first of all, we just want to send our thoughts, prayers, and condolences to, um, to Bill Haas for a speedy recovery and to the family of the driver of, of that Ferrari who was killed last night in head-on collision in Los Angeles and also to the uh, woman, 50-year-old woman who was in serious condition in a Los Angeles hospital after a horrible, horrible crash last night in Los Angeles. Um, switching gears now, let, let's talk Tiger for a second. I, I thought that the appearance at the Farmers was a slam-dunk victory. To finish T23 when you hit 30% of your fairways on that kind of a golf course, those those two golf courses, the, the uh, North has been tougher, uh, uh, toughened in the last couple of years, and the South obviously could host the U.S. Open today if they wanted to. Um, to... To tie for 23rd, hitting it like that uh, was a huge victory in my eyes. Yeah, definitely, Jeremy. I I was pleasantly surprised for sure. I mean, I, I think we all kind of had it in our head that just bottom line, getting to the weekend would be good. Uh, I think kind of the, the cherry on top that we saw a couple weeks ago at Torrey Pines from Tiger is that he was grinding very well, and it seems like he's been grinding on that court for 10 years between the, the 08 Open and the, the Troubles a year or two ago, so he's been really, really fighting around that course for what seems like ever, for a course he's known since being a little kid, and uh, the short game was a thing for me that held up very nicely. There were, I, I want to say, three or four different kind of mini flop shot situations where he had no hesitation opening up the 60-degree wedge and, and put it within a few feet. And those types of saves of the Tiger that we've come to know forever, obviously the elephant in the room is going to be his driver, You know, especially heading into a, a, a venue like Riviera coming up this week. Like you mentioned, I think it was 17 total out of 50-something fairways uh, all week at, at Torrey Pines, and that's just abysmal. That obviously has to have to get fixed, but if you're just looking purely at, at the numbers of what he did, he made it to the weekend, he hit, did not have an overpar round, he looked you know, in decent shape physically for a majority of the week. Uh, yeah, slam dunk is fair. Um, there's definitely, obviously, a long ways to go to, to get back to the Tiger we remember, but... It was, it was an impressive performance, to say the least. Tiger has changed the shaft in his driver and, and added a degree of loft to hopefully fix some of those issues. Um, in, in, in my mind, Alex, what was really impressive was how he actually got to the weekend, which was the two-putt uh, two, two, two from yeah. 75 feet on Friday afternoon to make the cut. You and I both know this as players. What's the hardest thing to come back? It's your touch and your feel, and to be able to literally two-putt, a double-breaking putt up and over a slope to a foot and a half uh, when when you have to do it was really impressive. Yeah, and just from a golfer standpoint, I feel like those long putts are, are the type of putts where you know it's really hard to pick a specific spot. It's really hard to pick a specific amount of very break. You're, you're focusing on, on making a great stroke, and I feel like that, that, that was a very good sign heading into the weekend that he was able to finish off that Friday round with the two-putt birdie to get him in. You know, it, 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 it goes to show you that, that his focus is in the right place and a lot of those weird, quirky little short game mishaps that we were seeing throughout 2016 and 17 seem to have been, been, been coded over uh, significantly, I'd say, in the last three months. 
You know, it's interesting, um, uh, Alex, how golf can be sometimes. Because here we are, right? And, uh, you know, it's the West Coast Swing. It, it's a beloved part of the PGA Tour season. And we've started with Dustin Johnson winning in Hawaii, Patton Kazar winning in Hawaii, then Rom, then Jason Day, then Gary Woodland, and then Ted Potter Jr. And just when you think you've got golf figured out, a guy who has not won in six years and lost four years of his career to falling off a curb and breaking his ankle wins on one of the grandest stages the PGA Tour has all year. I can't figure this out. Yeah, the whole thing is wild, and it's funny. I, I didn't even put together all those winners you just named so far in the uh, 2018 campaign last month or so. Those are all big, strong, brute-strength guys who hit the ball far and are, are not ashamed to play the bomb and gouge game. And Ted Potter, like the complete opposite, just the consummate grinder, one of those guys where, you know, if you don't watch enough golf, you just maybe know his name and didn't even know he was a lefty until this week. Uh, yes. <laughs> definitely one of, the, one of the unfounded lefties that's been around forever. You know, Jeremy, I remember early Ted Potter days, I want to say sometime in the last eight, ten years, where there was a season on the Web.com tour where he missed a historic amount of cuts in a row and his career was in complete shambles. Uh, I believe it was 24 straight. Neighborhood of 20-something cuts in a row one year. and 24. It was a, a, yeah, 24, a complete afterthought for a while and you know, to see him pop up, I remember he had the win at Greenbrier a couple of years ago, and now really cementing his, his spot as a regular on tour for the foreseeable future. It's impressive. Um, you know, he's a very unassuming guy. He definitely doesn't fit the mold of the guys that we've seen win in the last month or so. Uh, you may have seen the tweet, so if you have, just tell me, because I don't want you to cheat. But but he won Greenbrier in a playoff. Do you remember who he beat in the playoff at the Greenbrier? I do not. I usually am good at this type of stuff, but I'm, I'm, I've stretched my knowledge too far. Who did he beat that day? You think Ted Potter was out of nowhere. Troy Kelly was the other person in that playoff. Yikes. Yeah, that, that, that is a way out of nowhere name. And, and uh, I don't believe he's in golf anymore. No, yeah. And I mean, I, I was surprised to see that Ted Potter did, did as, of, as of a couple of years ago, you know, documenting his struggles. And, and that, that, that is, you know, the, the amazing part about this game, going back to what you said at the beginning, is that you know, you can have a, a list of pedigree champions, and we can spend all the time in the world talking about who's in the big four and who's at the top of their game and who's number one in the world and when's Tiger coming back. And in the midst of that, you can have a fully loaded field with some of the best players in the world, and a guy like Ted Potter can emerge with four solid rounds at one of the most historic and well-known courses in the world. Crazy. To show you just how, not only how much variety there is in the game, but just truly how deep the fields have gotten in the last 10 to 15 years. One of the things I love when you're on the show is to actually talk about golf itself, the actual game, because you and I both play and both enjoy and, and both have a competitive spirit. What the heck was Jason Day doing hitting driver off the deck on 18 on Sunday when he needed to make eagle and hitting a draw? I mean, you put it in the front bunker, you can hold a, a, a bunker shot. He hit it onto Pebble Beach, the actual Pebble Beach. That was one of the more quizzical course management decisions I've seen in a while. It is, and I, ha I haven't seen many. I've seen a few drivers off the deck this year. I saw one from Ricky earlier this year, and I'm trying to think of the other two, but uh, that is a very tough shot to pull off, especially with all that trouble left. Uh, you know, I'm wondering in my very limited experience of try trying drivers off the deck, I kind of know that the default miss is like a low heel shot 
fade that kind of squibbles down the fairway. I, maybe he was banking on that as the plan B, and, and then all of a sudden <laughs> he came through with a rip draw out out into the uh, into the peninsula. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was definitely quite a moment to uh, to see from a player of that caliber. And 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 here's the other thing: the heel. If he hits, because a lot of guys driver off the deck hit a fade. They think that's the easier shot to hit. If you do that, you're in the right bunker. That That's the exact miss you want. To me, it wasn't driver off the deck. To me, it was driver off the deck with a going draw. I just did not see what the benefit of that was. Just a really bizarre sequence of events. Yeah, it's funny, and it kind of, it kind of brings you back to uh, another uh, bizarre shot into a par 5 uh, a couple weeks ago to harp back on Torrey Pines with J.B. Holmes, the, the entire idea of him debating that shot for minutes on end only to lay up when he had an eagle to tie as well. I think it's kind of a player and, and, and mindset situation. You know, if you're a guy like Jason Day and you're a major champion that's won millions of dollars, you know your position in the game, uh, second, thirds, and fourths do not go on his record whatsoever. Uh, you know, I, I think he's just of the mindset that he's going to try that shot and he's, he's not interested in the difference between, you know, second, third, fifth, and sixth. Um, but, you know, you'd have to ask those guys individually. I think it's kind of really all the player mindset at that point. You saw what, what J.B. Holmes did was the complete offset. So. Uh, Troy Kelly, just to, to put a bow on that, um, made three starts in the Web.com Tour last year, made three starts in the PGA Tour last year, missed the cut in two and withdrew, and seems to have last played any kind of um, um, full season on the PGA Tour in 2015 and before that 2013. So not only did Ted Potter fall off the map, Troy Kelly has fallen off the map uh, as well. Um, I want to ask you about yeah, um, and and I'm with you totally that um, that Rory uh, is, is, is the more concerning person and that Jordan's We'll just write the ship uh, once he gets right. And also, remember, Jordan's the best putter on the planet. Rory has never been that, and I think that plays into it, too. Um, that you've got guys who sometimes just are... That... <coughs> uh, um, excuse me. And, and I'm the same way when it comes to um, uh, driving the ball. I've never been a good driver of the golf ball. And it always is something that in the back of my head, I, I've got to wonder if I'm going to have a good driving day. I don't think anybody doubts that when the pressure comes on come April, Jordan will be fine with the putter. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. We're in the same position with our real-life golf game because it's uh, drive for no-show and putt for all the dough in our case, I guess. Yes, exactly. You, um, uh, how can I put this? You, you enjoy making smart uh, choices in your picks for the week. I think uh, I think that's a nice way of putting it. Um, yeah. Who, who recently, off the beaten path, has uh, impressed you? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys right now who have looked impressive. Um, I haven't seen anything in the last couple of weeks. Immediate future from Ollie Schneider Gans. That's the kind of guy I'm looking at at a venue like this. I'm kind of looking for a prototype, a little bit of a, a tall, lanky ball striker who is... Uh, not afraid to thread the fairway with a three wood and uh, and kind of keep his demeanor together. A guy who played at Riviera last year uh, very well, who I'm looking at, who you know I'm always looking at. I've been on his bandwagon for seemingly forever. Is Thomas Peters? He he finished second at this event last year and uh, hasn't had a lot of great form quite recently. But uh, it's those type of players that I'm going to be looking at this week. Um, very tough. 
uh, track to, to look at in terms of, you know, the, the driving uh, stat. Total driving plays a big part in this venue, Riviera. And, again, we're, we're looking square, squarely at Tiger Woods and his driver, too, if he's going to have any success this week. He's I feel like Patrick Ro- oh, 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 sorry, go ahead, Alex. Sorry, I said it again. I I uh, cut you off. Uh, I cut you off at the end by accident. Yeah, it's gonna ha- it's gonna have to be way better than seventeen out of fifty four fairways for Tiger. I mean, I, I'm I'm pu- I'm in my head. I'm thinking he's gonna have to be at a number in the fifties percentage wise to keep himself percent close in this tournament, which is almost double the fairways he hit at Torrey Pines. Um, uh, uh, a couple things. Number one, I think Patrick Rogers would would satisfy what you're looking for in a guy. Uh, you know, tall, slim, can hit it a long ways, obviously had a great career out on the West Coast. That's just my two cents as to if you want my opinion on who you, on who you should pick this week. Although I picked for my one-and-done Phil. I think this is the week Phil actually gets over the hump and gets the victory. Yeah, it'd be great to see. I feel like there's just kind of an affinity for just me placing a small bet on Phil whenever he's playing in Southern California. Just, I don't know, for some reason it just feels right. Uh, he's getting, he just, I just feel like there's a lot of memories and. And, you know, what briefly comes to my mind is uh, moments with him and Keegan Bradley at this tournament. Yes. It really, there's, there's been some uh, some phenomenal finishes from Phil Riviera. Jeremy, got to give a quick shout-out to the 10th hole here. Always one of my favorite holes to watch annually on the tour. Uh, I hope they get enough coverage on it and some good eyes on it. The green is just absolutely fascinating. The, the green is surrounded by a gigantic bunker on both sides. And it, it makes professional golfers look like 12 handicaps. I love seeing guys just miss the green with a 60-yard wedge shot. So definitely something to keep an eye on if you're if you're looking to feel a little bit better about your golf game at home. And Tiger did not know in his press conference yesterday how he would play it this week. Um, two things about women's golf. Interesting juxtaposition this week, Alex. You've got Inby Park who was the third-to-last torchbearer at the Olympics, so well-deserved in South Korea, career grand slam, Olympic gold medal, beloved in that country, kind of took the mantle from Seiri Park and has run with it in terms of being um, the face of South Korean women's golf along with some others. And Paige Sporanek, who is one of the star athletes in the SI swimsuit issue and is using that as a uh, platform to... Uh, continue her long-standing campaign against cyberbullying and, and to illuminate uh, the impact cyberbullying can have on those who don't have the means to properly deal with it, uh, which is a fantastic cause. I have been the victim of that myself, and it does really have an effect on you, and so many people don't realize that. Your thoughts on on the two ways that women's golf has gotten in the headlines this week that, that are both non-on-course um, things? Yeah, I feel like these are kind of the the two preeminent storylines in, in capturing golf fans' attention with the LPGA. You know, the, the last, I would say, 15, 20 years on the LPGA Tour has been absolutely dominated by not only the Korean but the Asian population on a whole migrating over, you know, to the Western world and, and dominating the ranks in ladies' golf. Uh, so it just really shows you kind of what a, uh, what a market uh, they've captured over there and Sayri Pak is more than just an athlete over there from, from the way I see it. She's essentially like a brand, like a Coca-Cola. She's just that well-regarded. And seeing Indy Park kind of fall in those footsteps, being the Olympic winner that she is, it, it's that, that half of the coin is, 
you know, showing you how just amazing this movement's been over the last 10, 15 years. On the flip side, you have the new age of the LPGA. Um, you know, as the, as the, you know, the, the brand goes global and we see, you know, the schedule moving towards uh, more European Asian tournaments, uh, there's a market in the U.S., but it's very limited and it's not quite captured by an American female golf pro. Um, you know, if you think about the dominant players in ladies golf, it's very hard to name an American as the preeminent dominant player, you know, looking back through the runs of Yanni Singh, Lorena Ochoa, Annika Sorenstam going back. Uh, you have to go ways back to find a time when American females were at the centerfold of women's golf. And it, what Paige Varenik's doing is fascinating. She's not quite good enough to be on the LPGA Tour by her own admission. So she's got a lot of the golf, uh, but she's also got a lot of the presence and the modeling career that she's just blossomed into now with the SI swimsuit uh, modeling spread. You know, she's not necessarily great at either one, but the fusion has kind of become her career. You know, she goes with the body. Her body is her choice. She feels very empowered, so she doesn't feel as if she needs the LPGA. Maybe, maybe the way the other half of the movement is, uh, whereas the, you know, the Korean and Asian-American golfers felt the need to come over here and make their impact. She's carving her own lane outside the LPGA, and it's just kind of interesting to see how both of those cultures are coming together right now. And, you know, with, with the age of social media, the term of a professional golfer and a golf influencer is becoming more popular than, than just someone who necessarily wins tournaments on Sundays. I think that I, I think the use of, of of the term influencer in this context is 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 perfect by you. My only hope, and you saw Sloane Stevens in the SI swimsuit issue, which is um, obviously one of the big players on the WTA uh, 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 women's tennis tour, is that they do look right. to the LPGA because there are some wonderful athletes who have trained their body very hard on that tour who would love to be highlighted in 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 this issue going forward. And if Paige. Is, is is what brings the spotlight onto them through what she's doing. I think it's a it's a, 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 can only be a plus. Yeah, the the reach is really insane too. And just as I do a quick look, Jeremy, on, through social media, let you see you know one hundred and fifty so thousand followers of the LPG on in, Instagram, and Paige Peranic is in the millions. So it just, it just gives you an idea of truly you know how people spread uh, can be and how wide their shadow can be cast these days with the internet. It's, it's impressive what she's done. Again, it would be fascinatingly awesome if she was the complete package and was that top LPGA player who also had the, the careers and influence her mall on the side. But, you know, hey, she's working the best with what she's got. Who wins this week on the PGA Tour? Well, like, you know, the more I think about this Phil SoCal combo, I, I kind of love his form from last week and the... I'd be hard pressed not to put a little bit money, uh, a little bit of money on his chances. I feel like the Dustin Johnson romp is a very predictable outcome. It, it was very hard to bet against him last week, and, and again, he looked good, just not enough to beat Ted Potter. Uh, I'm going to stick with Phil, but again, I'm throwing Thomas Peters in as my alternate just because of the great finish last year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say those two guys right at the top, uh, and I'll stick with them, Jeremy. A sentence I don't think you ever envisioned saying. Ted Potter was good enough to hold off Phil Mickelson. Was yeah. <laughs> crazy. I, I guess I guess his nickname is the Wizard Jeremy. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's Harry Potter related. <laughs> he, someone must have done that nickname on him uh, because of that, unless there's something I'm not knowing there. That's Alex Lazan, as always, on teeing it up, talking golf. Alex, thanks. Uh, thanks for the time.
No problem. You good day. And uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. And thanks for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.